0: Hi, friends. My name is Derek Scott III. I'm a campus minister and a lay leader in the Florida Conference, and today I want to invite you into a project called Big Tent Methodism Reimagined. You know, in the United Methodist Church, specifically in the United States, our challenges are many. We don't have the answers, and we don't really know what comes next. There are a lot of different groups across the U.S. Connection and beyond who have been working uh, about on the future of the United Methodist Church. But there are also those of us who um, are just sort of in the pews in the pulpits of United Methodist churches, everyday United Methodists, who want to gather and convene to to anticipate our future, to move towards uh, thinking about the values of who we want to continue to be as United Methodists, specifically here in the United States. So there have been a few United Methodist uh, laity and clergy who've been gathering um, over the last several months, praying and discussing and, and collaborating, meeting via Zoom and doing a lot more praying. And one of the uh, outcomes of those uh, small gatherings of leaders, diverse leaders around our connection, one of the outcomes is this project that we are launching today called Big Tent Methodism Reimagines. Friends, I need you to know that we we know that Big Tent Methodism conjures a lot of different images. Um, and we Stayed with that name, we went with that name because we believed that it will provoke the kind of conversation, the kind of discussion, the kind of dialogue that will invite United Methodists to join us in essentially asking the question, can we reimagine our connection? Can we reimagine United Methodism specifically in the U.S.? Today we're launching this project and inviting you to join us. You need to know that this is not a brand, this is not a restructuring plan, nor is it an institutional initiative. Friends, what this really is, is a grassroots effort to gather, inform, and inspire everyday United Methodists for faithful ministry in the United States now and into the future. This is the people of the United Methodist Church in the U.S. rising up, raising their voices, and joining together to envision who we might be going into the future. So friends, you are invited to join us in this conversation. You are invited as disciples of Jesus Christ, as individuals who are committed to transforming the world for the sake of Christ, you are invited to join us as we talk about the future of the United Methodist Church and reimagine what Big Tent Methodism might look like. But
1: our darkness till
0: you came and rescued me Now your grace is always with Well, friends, we are here at the big. T- I guess it's going to be called the Big Tent Methodism Reimagined podcast. Very long name, but uh, really excited to start this conversation off with two individuals who. I wish I could say that I've known them for a long time because I want to have like deep personal history with them. They're just incredible. And by the way, I'm Derek. I'm a campus minister in uh, the Florida conference and uh, my pronouns are he, him, and I identify as gay, same gender loving, and I'm really excited to begin some conversations uh, in multiple spaces about the future of the United Methodist Church, specifically in the U.S. And with me, and I'll give them an opportunity to uh, introduce themselves as well, is Victoria Son Esparza and Jasper Peters. So I'm just going to ask both of you just to introduce yourselves and uh, just tell us a little bit about you. So Victoria, you want to go first?
2: Sure. Uh, Hi, everyone. Uh, As uh, Derek said, my name is Victoria San Esparza. Uh, My pronouns are she, her, um, and I identify as a queer, disabled uh, Chinese American, and um, I'm coming to you from Dallas, Texas. Um, I am uh, a pastor, a designer, and a layperson. Um, I have an MDiv, which means that I went to seminary, but I have chosen very actively to not be an ordained person uh, for a lot of reasons. I also care a lot about the Methodist Church and Uh, for better or worse, (laughs) I uh, have feelings about it and I care about it. And so um, I'm really excited to be here and to hopefully be the person in this conversation that's a little bit more like the person sitting in the pew wondering if uh, this stuff matters to them. So glad you're here if you're listening.
1: Thanks, friends. My name is Jasper Peters. I'm a United Methodist pastor to the people of Denver with Belong Church, a church plant in Denver who's we're almost uh, about five years old, and it's, it's been an incredible journey. I didn't start in the UMC, and I've ended up here on purpose, but also have plenty of questions about you know, how my journey has looked and, and what that looks like for other people as well. Uh, I am an African-American man. I am neurodivergent, and I'm really grateful to be a part of these conversations.
0: Awesome. And I, I'm just really excited for you two to kind of lead this part of the conversation. So um, I'll give just a little bit of explanation of what we're trying to do or what we're going to attempt to do, and, uh, and then we'll just kind of see where that conversation takes us. Um, a few months ago, maybe maybe even a year ago, a few of us um began to think about the future of the United Methodist Church, specifically in the U.S. We know that there's a lot that we can talk about in relation to all the different things happening for us, right? Like we can talk about separation, we can talk about the need to reckoned with our past and in, re- in relation to oppression and the ways that the system has sort of aided that oppression. Um, we can talk about the role of women. I mean, there's so many things we could talk about related to the United Methodist Church, but there's a specific conversation about our future and who we will become, who we might become. And uh, so a few of us got together and we're starting to just think about what that might be. And, and as an attempt to really like lean into that and to, create a larger context for that conversation, even a digital space for that conversation. The idea of a podcast came up because yes, you do a podcast. And I I reached out to friends, Victoria and Jasper, to ask them if they would help us navigate some of this con- conversation via the podcast. And so at least for this iteration, they're going to be the main voices that you'll hear over the next few episodes. But I um, was just really wanting to invite them here because I think that they have uh, a purview around United Methodism um, that we need to hear and that we need to see. There's some other folks have got voices and perspectives, but I feel like these two individuals are seeing some things that I think will help us as we begin to envision and maybe even reimagine what the United Methodist Church looks like specifically in the U.S. going forward. So, This big project is called Big Tent Methodism Reimagined. And I just want to go ahead and put it out there that Big Tent Methodism may not be the most exciting or even comforting name. So Jasper, Victoria, feel free to just tell us how you really feel about the name that we spent so much time trying to come up with. Um, So what, what do you think about Big Tent Methodism?
1: I'm preparing to get dragged on the Internet already. it it, it honestly it's it's a piece of how as someone from coming from outside the umc it's a piece of how the umc was described to me i was told look at this dignified incredible gracious structure that makes room for the likes of george w bush and hillary clinton alike and literally that was the pitch where a big Mm -hmm. tent and there's and there's room for everybody Mm -hmm. and maybe the worst part about it is that there are a couple things that are true <laughs> enough that, that it makes it hard to just to dismiss the idea completely but yeah, yeah. It's,
0: it's 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 tricky yeah yeah victoria what when you hear big tent methodism what what comes to mind
2: um i struggle with like the idea that there can be space for everybody because on the one hand, I I think that like, that's a really beautiful idea, but on like the reality, I think what it ultimately ends up being is like loudest voice wins. Um, Mm -hmm. I I do a lot of collaborative work and I work a lot with, with folks who are trying to do collaborative work. Um, And the thing that I always say is like, I really don't like the idea of consensus because consensus is never really, truly consensus. And because it's always like the loudest voice, dominates the the space because everybody yeah. kind of get, feels obligated to kind of well they're not going to back down so I guess I'll change my mind and there's something to me about like big tent methodism that I I don't know it sometimes has that feel where it's like who has mm-hmm. the most money who has the most power who has the most connections and there's something about that that like doesn't sit with me really well and I also acknowledge that like having a denomination where there's so much there's such a plurality of, of theological perspectives. There's something valuable about that too. And I really struggle with that tension. Um, that tension is part of what brought me to the Methodist church was mm. needing that diversity. But I also wonder, um, and, and don't really totally have the answer, it, it, how do you create a safe place for marginalized folks when you have a tent that maybe isn't, they don't have the loudest voice. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm.
1: For sure. As as you're describing that, I'm imagining this tent that, like, there's like a carnival barker, like there's someone who has some means of amplification and their voice is just, is ringing in everyone's ears. Uh, they're the people who've been shoved to the side to the point where it's not quite clear whether the tent is offering them much protection at all.
2: Mm. Mm. Mm.
1: there's a part of the tent that has definitely been on fire for quite some time and, and is alarming and maybe we should pay attention and figure out how to, how to stop this active damage. Like it's, we, we haven't even started to talk about whose land this tent sits upon, right? Like, so
0: right.
1: gosh, yes.
0: so, it's tricky. Yeah. And, and in, in some of our conversations uh, that I've, that I've been in uh, the, the thought that big tent Methodism, because it is this diverse group that is trying to be welcoming to everyone. It also then gives permission for harm because someone sees it this way, and because they see it this way, we don't. We we can't call it call them on it because this is a big tent. And and and, um, and and in other way, in other words, I've heard people say things like, "You know, I get it. Big tent Methodism is sort of where we were." But if that's where we're going to be, like we're still going to be that kind of big tent, like, I don't know if I'm here for that. <laughs> um, so let me ask this and feel free to you know keep pinging on the big tent Methodism. You know, I, I think that it, you know, we use that name because we did believe that it would be provocative. It would actually elicit a conversation that we don't normally have in our nice Methodist circles. Is it even possible to reimagine this thing? Like, is this is is this denomination something that can be reimagined? Is there potential for that? Do you think that? Or have we kind of hit our peak and we're just going to kind of go the way of the rest of the main line? Well, what do y'all think about that?
1: I, uh, I pastor a church in Denver that is housed in the building of what used to be uh, a UMC. And when that church was originally founded, it was actually a part of the Methodist Episcopal Church South. It was founded intentionally, this community intentionally, with the hope of turning Colorado into a slave-supporting state as it was be- becoming a territory and developing. That's yes. that's the history of, of this place. Now, they have a big and wide, a very storied history. It, that church also became a reconciling community and has... as really, really many wonderful attributes that we can speak of. But I think about that community because if at some point along the line, someone had said, hey, that church is going to close down and go away. And if every remnant of it, if everything disappears from it, is that okay with you? There was a point in my life when I probably would have said yes. Mm. And now I realize that if I or others had been willing to just throw away this thing that I perceived as broken or problematic, Mm -hmm. my church now, my queer-friendly, Black-led, justice-oriented church now wouldn't exist in the form that it does. So when I think about the folks who are ready to throw the tent away, to walk away, to give it up, I recognize that even things with difficult and problematic histories as recently as yesterday, right? Like it, even, even these difficulties don't mean that the most faithful thing to do is to throw it away. And so I think in some ways we have to at least seriously consider what can we do and what can be done? Because in my opinion, that the, to, to unthinkingly walk away, throw it away would not be the faithful option that I feel called to. Mm.
2: I also think, you know, when I think about reimagining, I I think it's actually the church thinks it's a really hard leap. But I actually think if we look around at the world, like reimagining is already happening around us, Mm. the way that we think about culture shifting. Um, and you know, I'm sure there are groups in the church that don't want to take hints from culture for reference to the church. And that's fine. But I actually think there's like a lot to lose if we're not actually looking around and seeing what's happening. And one of the things that I think a lot about is I think about the way that like Black Panther and like Crazy Rich Asians and even like Shang-Chi which just came out as these ca- movies that entirely center characters of color that are these incredible stories about like worlds that don't exist where where people of color are thriving and powerful and like protectors and they're mm. not stories that like white people can actually see themselves in and yet all of these movies have done incredibly well in the box office, like way better than like some of their, their more like white counterpart movies in in, in particularly talking about Marvel. And I think that for me, that just, that is like a a glaring, like, it's like the light that's on. And it's like, we have to move towards that because the reality is like, when we're able to center marginalized voices as like, this is the core of who we are, everybody can see themselves in that because it's the same reason we all love an underdog is because no matter the experience that you've had, we've all experienced struggle. And there's something about saying, let's center the stories and experiences of marginalized people who live in struggle. And anybody who's, as who's a human, can understand some of that experience. Maybe not all of it, but some of it. And when I think about reimagining, like the Methodist tent, that's what I think of. Because the reality is, like, even when I, you know, you know, I think Methodism tends to attract moderate crowds, tend to not quite lean either direction. There's some exceptions, obviously, but I think that even that that moderate crowd, the average person that's sitting in the pew, when I think about the congregations I've been a part of, uh, they are looking for a place where their children, their family members, their friends have a sense of belonging, no matter what happens and when we're centering centering the only like the privileged group that you know has a lot of power and money those are not people that the average person relates to and i think when i think about reimagining we have to shift that narrative and say like who's the group of people that the most number of people here actually can relate to and it's not the people in power because the most re- even like everyday of us don't we don't have that much power and i think that When If we're serious about becoming a church that changes, I think it starts with those things and and allowing there to be space to say, like, people with power, like, you get to sit on the sidelines and people who have been historically excluded, they have something to teach us and we can all relate to their stories. Um, And that's why I have hope, but I'm also like, we're literally going against, like, the structure of power in order to create that space.
1: But in some ways, I think to your point, the people who are are maintaining the structure aren't necessarily the bulk of the people that we're talking about, the bulk of the Mm. the interested parties. Can I tell you, like, my favorite thing about the the so-called moderate Methodist is that these people are not at all moderate when it comes to their care for their local communities, right? Like, they, Mm. they might be dispassionate or maybe not deeply interested in the deeper matters of polity right but if you ask them do they care about their local church remaining open continuing to thrive continuing to serve their community absolutely and in some ways that's the thing that lets us be a people and not just all these little disparate communities right so so how do we figure out like okay yeah you you might be moderate you might not be but what is the thing that we all have in common it's a deep care for the transformative work that our local communities Represent what they can do,
2: which is ironically like the definition of like Wesleyan theology. It's like this like hyper local like our communities are telling us what we need to do. Like I I hear this often with like parents in churches where they're like, I don't have any queer family members, but you know what I want is I want to go to a church where in case my kid grows up to be queer, they have a place here still. And like, that Mm -hmm. is, I think the majority of the people in the Methodist church, but our tent does not actually represent those people very well because there are people who are, who don't understand the polity structure. Who don't care. I'm one of the people who doesn't care. I understand it. I don't care. (laughs) But, but the thing is, it's like, we, we talk about in this, like such like, hierarchical, like, you have to understand, read the book of discipline and know the social principles and fight about it. When the average person sitting in the pew is like, I just want a space where, like, my cousin who's gay can come to church. And, like, if my kid grows up to, like, you know, be trans, like, I want them to feel like they can be here still. And, like, those are the people... Who, who's I think are actually the majority, um, who may not even identify in any kind of marginalized way, but they want space for the people that they love, for the people in their community, like you're saying, Jasper, to feel like they belong at their local church.
0: Oh my gosh, yeah. all of that, y'all, all of that. So here's what we're gonna try to do. We're gonna try to do this kind of thing over the over a bunch of episodes. And this is a part of a much larger conversation that we are having here at Big Tent Methodism Reimagined. Uh, but specifically this podcast is going to be devoted to really thinking about, you know, who we are as United Methodists, specifically in the US, like who we really are, not like our mm-hmm. institution, love institutional day, love all of our politics, but like who we are as individuals in the pews and in the pulpits of of everyday United Methodist congregations um, and what that might mean for our future and how we might embrace uh, a bold vision of representing the love and the grace of Jesus, yes, for the sake of this world, but specifically here in the United States. I just want to give both of you a chance. Like, is there anything that as we are getting started in this conversation, anything that you want to say to our hopefully growing audience um, as we are getting started, anything that you want to say to the audience right now in regard to this conversation that we're going to attempt here on the podcast?
2: Yeah, I want to say something. So I we obviously have no idea who's listening to this. But on the chance there are, like, some lay people who are not clergy and, like, you don't understand what's going on with the Methodist Church entirely right now, Um, I'm here for you. (laughs) Because the reality is um, I find institutional stuff really frustrating and boring and, like, totally elitist most of the time. Mm. And so, um, I'll just be honest. And We've talked about this in our planning. I'm not a hundred percent sure that like, we're going to figure this out as Methodist church. I hope so, but I don't know. And so I, um, hope that if you're still kind of on the fence and maybe frustrated with what's going on, that, you know, that like, we're thinking about that too. And, uh, you're also not alone and it makes a lot of sense if you feel that way. So, For the skeptics out there, please join me because I'm very confident that I'm not the only one.
0: Thank you, Victoria. Jasper, anything you want to leave with the audience? Yes, I will
1: simply add this piece. Um, When we first started talking about doing this, my, my thought was whenever you talk about Big Tent Methodism, there's invariably someone who feels left out or assumes they're left out or believes that they're left out of the conversation. And... I know, as we've talked about what we're planning and, and, and who we're talking to, realizing that we come from all sorts of spaces—progressive spaces and more moderate, uh, centrist spaces. We come uh, from spaces that actually lean very conservative. My conference has so much rural area and so many conservative voices and, and interests, and yet we still really think that this common thread, this common interest that we have, is is enough to hold us hold us together. So I say, uh, if you're listening. And you're wondering whether this conversation is about you, is for you, is um, interested in what you're interested in. The answer is yes. So if you have questions for us, uh, let us know if you have, have pushback, things that you want us to, to talk about, dive into. We want you to be a part of the conversation as well, because this literally is not at all about us, the three of us. It is about the larger us. It's about everyone who has an interest in this um, In this precious, slightly tattered uh tent that we that we're in
0: Victoria Jasper I'm really excited about the conversation you're going to lead us through with these next uh, few episodes so thank you for saying yes to this thank you for your willingness to step into this mysterious sort of space where we don't know where it's going to head necessarily but we do believe it's important enough to create a space and so you're not going to hear my voice anymore i'll be in the background as always um i'm excited about my friends here leading the conversation and um look forward to what's coming next Drifting, exploring empty promises the lies that hold so closely yet they are